You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member of FDIC. Well, welcome to Sunday Coffee here in the out of left field studios, the Farm Bureau studios in downtown Startwell. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. You can check them out at favorites.com. Agents all across the state of Mississippi. Home Life Auto, whatever you need in the insurance world. Great customer service. Our friends at Farm Bureau. And this is Sunday Coffee. Brought to you by our friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. Strange Brew, go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. They'll ship that great coffee to you. Stop by this morning on Spring Street and Highway 12. Got my blueberry cobbler flavored coffee. Got a little bit of cream in it too. Feel good this morning, Charlie. Started to get a mug, but I was like, you know what? I'll just order one and let them ship it down to Nanawaya because I didn't want to just hold on to it. So our good friends at Strange Brew Coffee House, three locations here in Starkville, in Tupelo, Brupolo on Gloucester Street, and also now in Tuscaloosa. So the original place to get that gourmet coffee here in Starkville, our good friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. All right, Charlie, you um, got on to me a little bit during the midweek show because I was trying to be positive coming in here after, you know, we, we lost a close game against Kentucky and we had uh, won a midweek baseball game against, I don't even know who we played now, with Jackson State on Tuesday night. And so we just swept a series in baseball. Yesterday, basketball, we lose on the road at Auburn. And so now uh, three baseball games out of the way, and you and I, you and I get to spend the Sunday afternoon. We're going to broadcast women's basketball on the SEC Network Plus. We are. We are. Uh, they're not playing anybody today, much like our baseball team didn't play anybody this weekend. But in baseball, we, it's not that we won. We didn't lose. Okay? <laughs> and with women's basketball today, it's not going to be so much. No, you know what? They're on a skid. They need to win. Oh, we're I, on a f- I don't care who they're paying. They've lost some bad teams. Yeah, five games in a row, lost some some bad teams. Lost to Alabama and Auburn in the last week. And I don't think you can look at 10,000 feet and say that Alabama and Auburn are you know the top half of the SEC, the elite in the SEC. And so, yeah, kind of limping in here at the very end. It made Florida look like the female version of the Globetrotters coming in here. That was, what, three weeks ago? That's what started it all. We lost by 20 against Florida that day. We were on a good winning streak. It was a 3-9 and nine team. Yeah, they were a 3-9 and nine team. You and I did that game. And then they played at Ole Miss that the the following week had a lead until late, and um, yeah, it just has not been a good month for uh, women's basketball. And so you and I get that one. This is the season finale, regular season finale, and they play the Missouri Tigers later today. And um, you know, back several years ago, Charlie wouldn't. You know, Robin Pinston was head coach, and then they had the Cunningham, and then we, we were good. And that was a pretty good little rivalry going on right now, but both these teams right now are not playing very well at all uh, here at the end of the season in women's basketball. And so, anyway, I'll get into um, to getting ready for that ball game when we finish up Sunday Coffee here today. I'm sure you've gotten 
very much prepared for our two minutes of two hours of basketball later today. I'll be there. I'll be present. All right, let's start with uh, – what do you want to start with? Well, you I feel said, like you're kind of filibustering this morning. I am because you said when we looked at the baseball schedule that when we got into SEC play, we would not know if we're any good or not, but we would definitely know if we're not any good. This is a weekend, like you just said, where we um, we held serve. We won ball games. Hey, but – I mean, what do you want me to be? Do you want me to be positive or negative? Well, I mean, I can Because I can give you a little of both. Well, I can give you a little bit of both as well. The difference is, in this weekend, to me, compared to Air Force in the Saturday game, losing against Austin P, or then the Georgia Southern loss in the second game last week, they just came out and popped us pretty early and took a big lead. To me, this weekend, you know, Mount St. Mary's on a Thursday and then again yesterday in the first game, they had chances with guys on base to come through with some big base hits. The difference in this past week and this weekend compared to the, the those losses early in the year is they did not get the big base hit. Air Force, a guy poked the ball to right field and got a big base hit. Now, Austin Peague got on us in the eighth inning and got back in a game, and they, you know, they got the big base hit. Mount St. Mary's had opportunities this weekend to get that big base hit. And didn't get it. So, you could look at it two ways. One is, well, you know, we were close to losing some games this weekend. Or you can look at it the other way. If if we'd have pitched our way out of it in those two games, you're feeling a lot better about yourself right now. That's glass half full. I know it is. No, it's ridiculous is what it is. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, what are you doing this morning? I mean, you're um, – I'm trying to be nice because yesterday I could tell I completely aggravated you on the broadcast. I'm trying to extend the olive right. branch. Well, we'll stop because, you, look, if there's one thing about us, you know, we're supposed to be the straight talk express here, man. You know, we're supposed to be the torpedo of truth. Here's the truth. Our pitching is better, we think. It's at least better in terms of throwing strikes, whether it's better in terms of winning in the strike zone, it seems to be. But we haven't faced any team who is any good. Okay? Not one. Well, Austin P has. Stop. <laughs> Just stop. Well, I, okay, so I, no, I know the, the converse side of that. Okay, we have not played anybody any good. And I know our, our when you look at our pitching stats, I mean, you, you tweeted this last night. Or this We're morning. not walking, guys. We're not walking people. And I know the, the, the glass half empty part of it, you can say, well, we haven't played anybody, which we haven't. We have, we have not. But here's – so let We me, didn't play anybody last year either. Well, that's fair. So let me tell you where I am with this baseball team right now. Um, I have a few points I want to make. The first point is that we have a couple of guys who look like really good front-line pitchers. Nate Dome looks good. He does. Nate Dome it couldn't have – you know, I thought the first game that he pitched, he was a little better than good. You know, he wasn't great, but he was really good. The last two times out, he's been great. He's competed. He's had a little swagger to him. He's thrown strikes. All right? So, Nate Dome, you feel really good. Gerangelo, feel really good about him, right, particularly from the right side. Cal Steven gave you a little sign yesterday that he can get back up after a bad start, right? So, 
the three guys out there, you know, when we first came out, you said, here's the rotation. Nobody in that rotation right now are we sitting here saying, boy, we got to get TBD back in the rotation. Yeah, Give me that. I, yeah, well, I would say yes, because last year in the first couple of weeks of the season, you're trying to figure out your rotation, and there were some people you're like, well, we got to figure out a way to get this guy out of the, you know, maybe get this guy into the rotation. We didn't know who that person would be, never did find it. But I agree with you. I would say the thing, because when you just started talking and you mentioned Gerangelo second, I was like, man, you know, this weekend, Cal Steven, I would take that performance, what Cal Steven did yesterday in game one, maybe a little bit ahead of Gerangelo. And then when I got to processing it, I think you're right. And here's the reason I was very proud of the way Gerangelo pitched yesterday is because he had three walks the first two innings. He did not pitch great out of the gate. And got better. And fourth, hey, fourth through the sixth inning, that dude was good. All right, and so how many times have we seen that over the past few years? Uh, not any. Yeah, where a guy got it back together. Um, I, I really like the way Nate Dome's throwing. I really like the way Cal Steven has thrown two out of three. And I like the bounce-back ability that showed you the ability to rebound. I like the way Gerangelo's though. So, if one of the things we said coming in here, we needed better starting pitching. Check. So far. Got right? it. And, again, to your point, and I think it's a good one, we weren't good against bad teams last year. We're at least good against – and, I, you know, I do – I actually will give you something. You said Austin is not a bad baseball team. That's one of the things that I think Air Force, Mount St. Mary's, they're pedestrian, right? They're they're competent, but they're not. They're not great. They're VMI from last year. That's who they are. We got beat by VMI last year, 14-13, when we had a big lead, gave it up, and they came back and scored a bunch of runs because we walked a bunch of people. All right, so you feel good about starting pitching. Then you go to the bullpen. You feel better or worse about your bullpen than you did a year ago? I Well, right now, I think I feel better. Brooks Augers looked really good out of the bullpen. Uh, Nolan Stevens kind of give me something a little bit. Hey, I like Dotson yesterday. Luke Dotson, man, from the left side, bringing that up there. You know, Schalke has looked good at times. I am still hoping that when you get against really good left-handed hitting, that he's not more than a matchup guy. Yeah, didn't left hand left handers really seem to be giving him some trouble right now? Yeah, they they do, and I, and I had that in my mind yesterday, and then all of a sudden they bring him in, and they have a pinch hitter coming to game, a left handed guy, and the first pitch he pops it the other way, singles the other way. Spin of that nature is is not as you know is is not as kryptonite against left handed hitting as it is against right handed hitting. Gavin Black's got something. Gavin Black looks good. Who am I missing here? All right, there's a couple of other guys. You know, we only saw Logan Forsythe throw once, but I thought he looked pretty good when he was in there. He did. His problem last year really wasn't walks. It was getting hit. You know, he was almost like he threw too many strikes last year at times, and I may be wrong for saying it. It seemed like he got a bunch of balls turned around last year. Tyler Davis has looked better this year than he did a year ago. So, I, I think out of the bullpen, look, if we're going to be good, though, Carson Ligon needs to get into form. You need more out of Bradley Lofton, right? He's kind of battling his way back. Overall, though, if you'd have told me that at this point in the year we'd have a team ERA under four and we're not walking guys, I'd be really happy, and that's where we are. The second thing that we said we had to see was much 
improved defense on the left side of the infield, and it is. The only error that's been charged to either Dylan Cup or Logan Kohler while he's been in there is that screwy play where they, where Kohler had the cut on Yesterday. the ball at the plate. So it was a base hit into left field. They're waving the runner. Kohler is making the cut in front of the plate, tries to throw to third. Cup's a little bit late getting there. The throw gets away. We're picking up ground balls, though, and throwing people out. Yeah, we do not have an error on a fielded ball on the left side of the infield when those two are in the game. When you've got Logan Kohler and Dylan Cup on the left side, those guys – and, hey, here's the thing, too, and we know how baseball scoring is, too. Sometimes it can be a little squirrely, and you're like, ah, that was an error, but they gave, him a, gave a guy a hit. It has not been a situation like that on the left side with Kohler or Cup where we're sitting there going, well, that could have been an error. They've made it every play. So I think all those things are quite positive. Here's what the thing we've got to do. We've got to start hitting the ball. And we're not, right now we have six home runs through 12 games. What's going on? Well, looking at line, I mean, just looking in the lineup. Dakota Jordan has four of the six. Yeah. Bryce Chance had a big home run in the first game of the season that gave us a lead. And that was against Air Force. You ended up winning that Friday game because of a home run there. Uh, that was one of them. And then Lamonte Larry's got another one to lead off, you know, in the first inning of a game. But that's it. So you're not getting a whole lot of, you know, you're not getting a whole lot of power. Now, Hunter Hines, I think, is going to hit. Uh, yesterday he had a tough day in that second game, struck out three times. But, yeah, at the plate, I mean, especially when you start looking, you know, five through nine or, you know, you know, and looking down that lineup. Now, I will say this. If you're looking for bright spots in the five through nine spot in the lineup. Now. I, I bet you're going to say Connor Hyzak. Connor Hyzak. I am going to say Connor Hyzak. He's a guy that may have, may play his way up higher in the order. He was batting seventh in the order yesterday. Sad for a couple of days. I want to talk about this, Charlie. You know, and we've talked about this on the show. Hyzak was a guy you felt like just needed a couple of days off just to sit and think <laughs> because you could tell he was really pressing. And we took him out of the lineup for a couple of days. You put Parts him, a couple of days. And, and you put him back in, and now he's really seeing the ball well. And I know a lot of people sit there and think, man, we got to do that with some other spots. we got to take some guys out for a couple of days. Guys respond in different ways to being taken out of the lineup. Scotty DeBrule, when we took him out of the lineup, responded well. Connor Hyzak took him out of the lineup. He responded well. We have seen things in the past where you take a guy out of the lineup that has that's a little fragile and it puts him in a tailspin. Kills the spirit. Yeah, it kills the spirit and takes puts him in a tailspin. All right, so I want to talk about a guy then since you're bringing it up, which is this idea of, because I've had people say this to me, that we need to take Dakota Jordan out of the lineup. Why? Because he's striking out too much. And well, so, but but here's what I want to tell you. Dakota Jordan has an OPS right now of 1185. That's yeah, I don't understand. I don't, really, really good. Who are you, Is listening this to? Who are you talking rate? to? Who's in your text group? <laughs> but, but, I mean, I, I, I can see that from 10,000 feet. You see the strikeouts and you understand, oh, okay, you got to give this guy a break. But it's that major league premise. I mean, he may, more than makes up for it when, when he puts the ball in play. Well, in terms of productivity, he's your most productive hitter. He, he, just he is. Tell, tell, me one, tell me one better. Mershon. That's it, right? Yeah, Mershon's right now. 
his OPS is higher, but then Dakota would be second. Of course, Mershon's done it in half the at-bats. Okay, hey, we did say a couple weeks ago we were going to be better when you get Mershon and Logan Kohler back in the lineup. True. And that was true. Now, I would have told you at the time, I don't know if those two guys would make up (laughs) for what we were lacking, but they are. Mershon in the two spot in the order, allowing you to drop down guys in the order, putting Dakota at three and then Hunter Hines at four, makes you a better offensive team. Now, you know, like we said, I mean, hey, Mount St. Mary's had chances in the seventh, eighth inning late because we had not piled on any runs at all. I think hey, this look, th- we had two runs without a hit yesterday. For a long time. We didn't get our first hit till the fifth inning of the second game. I mean, oof. Yeah. I thought, though, by the way, just because I've kind of picked on Mount St. Mary's and their 300 RPI right now, I actually thought they had a few guys that could could throw yesterday. Yeah. I thought, hey, I, I mean, thought that kid that started the game. I thought the dude they brought in late, the freshman, somebody should have left him a card on the way out the door. <laughs> <I'll say. laughs> get his number. <laughs> hey, man. Text us. Yeah, I started looking uh, at you in about the fifth inning and say, hey, you got a business card on you, Charlie? Yeah. <laughs> well, then the control got to him a little bit, but just in terms of that breaking pitch was it was pretty That dude was throwing 97 good. with an 88-mile-an-hour slider. <laughs> it was at really, Mount St. Mary's. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> Sophomore. Um, I thought the starter, the left-hander, Spees, was good. I thought, I mean, he's not elite by chance, but he was a he, I thought he was the most talented left-hander of a lot of left-handed pitching that we've seen. And I think this is where baseball is so different because we get we get programmed in in football, we get programmed in sometimes in basketball. There's just so many players out there in baseball. There, I mean, Reading, Pennsylvania, Reading, Pennsylvania, however you say it. I mean, you've got you've got guys who work in tunnels all year long in pitching that can pitch. It's just there are just more kids out there. Now, they don't have a collection like you're supposed to have here. So, let me give you another player because we've talked about Dakota. I think you and I both agree. Let him do his thing. Yeah. Right? Um, Amani Larry's been moved to DH. I want to watch how does he respond because Mershon's a better fielder. Yeah. He, he just is. You're better defensively with Mershon at second and Cup at short. Well, and, and two – Cup has been elite defensively. Cup has been elite. To me, here's where Mershon gets a little bit of an edge, and I hate to draw comparisons between two players. But Mershon does a really good job at turning a double play. And you saw that yesterday in a 5-4-3 double play started by Kohler at third base. He got it to second base. We have not been able to make that double play turn in a couple years. And Mershon was able to get it out of his glove. And here's why I also like Mershon out there, is I can tell he's got some swagger to him. He's almost like he's a guy that those guys that they look to out on the field. When, you know, we have a pitcher struggling a little bit, Mershon is the guy that calls time out and walks in. And so he's a player that radiates. And so, yeah, it was good to get him back in the lineup as a DH, but he's also a player that radiates when he gets back out on the field around the other players. Oh, yeah, there's no question. He's got – He's got it. Yeah, uh, just oozing. Is there an unluckier player on this team right now than Bryce Chance? <laughs> so, and here's what I say. So, Bryce Chance right now is hitting 227. And he started out hot. 
he's only struck out twice. So he's putting the ball in play. And so what I go back to is I, we can – I think you have to put limited – a properly limited viewpoint on the stat I'm about to give you, which is BABIP, batting average on balls in play. All right, but because not all balls in play are created equal, right? Yes. Yeah, so if you're going up there and just hitting routine ground balls. But the idea is, as a team, if you're evaluating a player, one of the things you want to look at is, of the non-home runs, non-strikeouts, the time the ball's in play, what is that batting average? Because it is some rough indicator of if you are lucky or unlucky. But over time, tends, things tend to move towards the median, right? Yeah. Tend to move to the average. And in this league, that average is going to be over 300. Or around 300. Around 300, yeah. All right. So, right now, Bryce Chance batting average on balls in plays like 219. The idea, again, if it's soft contact, that's one thing. But if you get in and you look at hard hit balls, how many times is he barreling up the baseball, and then you look at that average, what you're saying is, in a small sample size, he's gotten unlucky hitting some balls at people. All right, you, you're giving me a point right now to, to jump on a soapbox. Here's my thoughts on, I guess you could say, playing the numbers. And I guess there's a difference in using the term analytics and someone reading the box score. Because I see the numbers, or somebody sees the numbers at 10,000 feet when they pick up a paper, if anybody picks up a paper anymore. And they see that Bryce Chance has really struggled over the last week and a half. And they were like, man, he, he's the guy that maybe need to, needs to come out of the game. But as you're talking about the analytics and the deep numbers, sometimes you got to go, you got to dive a little bit deeper. The feel of the game tells me that Bryce Chance, like you just said, is a little bit unlucky. And so you just can't judge, and you can't judge that book by its cover. You can't look at the batting averages in you know online or on a on a message board or whatever and say well, there's you got it needs to sit well here's the other part of it for me is there ever a time during this quote slump or whatever Bryce Chance is having where you would say the guy's not having good at bats where you would say hey he's swinging at bad pitches hey he lacks confidence he looks overmatched not at all I mean he struck out twice it's not like he's up there flailing at balls in the dirt. He's putting it in play. And, all right, and not to go too far down this, but you could almost say the opposite side of David Mershon. Because Mershon isn't striking out. He's putting, not hitting home runs. His ball's in play. His average is really high. And so what do you expect with him? He's going to come back down to earth. You know, he's not going to be sitting here oh, yeah, it's gonna in average three out. weeks. Hitting 535 or whatever he's hitting right now. Yeah, so hitting 500 right now. But, by the way, those first 28 bats sure do look good. Both sides of the plate. He's hitting just as good right now from the right side. He's seeing the ball just as good from the right side as he is the left side, which you rarely see out of guys that bat both ways. Save for Jake Mangum. All right, last thing. I thought our catching has looked pretty good. Yeah, we're not having many pass balls. You're controlling the running game okay. You're not having as many people steal on you. Our opponents are 10 of 14. I'm, I'm going to look real quick to see where we were last year. 21 to 22 Ooh. at this time. So no, they're no, not. No, right. excuse me. I stand corrected. Our opponents were 26 of 29. 
So we've cut stolen bases through first 12 games more than in half. Well, they're just not trying as much. Yeah, and when they do, we're throwing out more. I mean, we've yeah. thrown out more in 14 attempts than we did in 29 last year. Yeah, and I go back to the whole thing. I don't think VMI is much more athletic than Air Force. <laughs> I mean, and Arizona State is not much more athletic than Georgia Southern. Who do you think the best team we've played so far is? Is it Austin P? Is it, it Georgia Southern? Man, it's hard to get a gauge. Austin P is like 9-2. I know. It's hard to get a gauge because you're playing midweek games. I mean, we started Tyson Harden in one of those midweek games. I mean, we didn't throw Nate Dome at them. I mean, what does Austin, what does Austin P look like to you if you play them on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they got to face Nate Dome or Cal Steven or Gerangelo? That's the thing about baseball is so different. It's about who's we'll on the We'll know more about Austin P. They've got a three-game set with Auburn next weekend. Or we'll know more about one of them. <laughs> Maybe we don't know. Maybe it's like we said earlier. We won't know. Um, but I thought baseball-wise, we did – Kind of what we had to do this weekend. You know who always does what they have to do? Our good friends at Cannon Ford of Startwell. Cannon Ford, just east of Startwell on Highway 182. They get it done with newer used cars. It had a buddy of ours. We were in a text group that sent us a text just yesterday and went out to Cannon Ford and got a used car. Got something for his daughter. And so, you know what, I – I keep on hearing you guys talk about it on the podcast about how great they are. And he says, I just want to let you know, they were fantastic to work with. And so newer used cars, if you go to the body shop, they're also open on Saturdays as well. If you need a spray and bed liner, if you need your oil changed, if you need your tires rotated, also the body shop as well. If you have some dings and need to get some dents fixed, the body shop is outstanding as well. Go by and see Chris Keen and the fine folks out at Cannon Ford of Startville, and they'll find you a new or used car right now. And we're also brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish in the southeast. You know, when you look at Mississippi and Alabama and right here in the southern states, we produce so much of the catfish that is consumed nationally. And Heartland, they sell to great restaurants around the, the southeast, you can get that great catfish at Shivers Creek Fish House. They've got the Shivers Express and Star right outside of Florence, Crystal Springs, and then down in Simpson County as well. Shivers Creek Fish House. They've got the great – Charlie was talking about the slaw the other day, but it's a golden brown breaded catfish. Boy, it is outstanding, cornbread breaded. And so our friends at Shivers Creek Fish House – they do it right. If you're from central Mississippi and you've ever been to Shivers Creek, you know what I'm talking about. And so they get that great catfish from our friends at Heartland Catfish over in the Mississippi Delta in Itabina, all the way from the farm, all the way to your table, our friends at Heartland Catfish. All right, Charlie, basketball-wise, as we were broadcasting yesterday, we had the game on. Of course, we started the second game of the doubleheader at 340, so we got to watch a little bit of the basketball game. And there were times in the uh, early on in the second game of our doubleheader that uh, I may have mentally fallen asleep because I was watching a little bit of the basketball game. And, uh, all right, just full disclosure here, the way that we – the way everything set up for that game at Auburn was very similar to me of the Alabama game because you had, you know, we lost to the Ole Miss in a close game up there on a on a Wednesday night, and then we go to Alabama and we don't play well, we get blown out. 
I thought the tough loss on Tuesday night that we had against Kentucky and then going on the road to Auburn, a team that's really playing well right now, it was going to be tough. And I would not have been surprised if you'd gone over there and won by two or three. I would have been more surprised. Would not have been surprised you get beat by 15. That's essentially what we did. I would not have been surprised if we got beat by 40. I I would have been floored if we'd have won. Well, okay. That was my nice way of putting it. I mean, I always hope we got a chance to win, but I was negative point eighteen percent. Yeah, I mean, we we didn't have much. Again, I'm just going by the numbers, right? The numbers tell you you're not going to win over there. You had, I think, it, I think you're dead on. I think it was like an eighteen percent chance to win. Um, but the season, I said uh, negative eighteen percent chance to win. Well, <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Two negatives. I don't. Yeah. Anyway. Um, the season is on this week, right? You got one on the road, A&M, winnable. You won't be favored, but it's winnable. Then you've got one at home. I don't know if you'll be favored or not. But South Carolina away from home, that's a winnable game here. It's going to be really, really important that we have people there. I'm, I am hoping very, very hard that we go over a win at A&M. And Take the thing a little about, pressure off of that South Carolina game. Only thing that worries me about the A&M game is playing at 8 o'clock at night because you're going to sit over there all day long. Do you think there's a big difference in playing at 6 or 8 on the road? Maybe not. Well, I worry about 8 o'clock games at home because I worry about our crowd showing up. Hey, the way A&M has been playing, I don't know how big of a crowd they're going to have. I mean, so flip it in your head. If I you're know. A&M, what time do you want to play that game? 6 o'clock. But you're saying if you're us, you want to play at 6 too. I don't saying, like late games in general. I don't either. A&M won yesterday, I think, over Georgia. I was kind of hoping they would get beat because I think they're yeah, they really have been really been struggling over the last couple of weeks. Well, in fact, they lost five in a row. They lost to Vanderbilt, Alabama, Arkansas, mm. who hasn't been good, but playing better. Tennessee and South Carolina before beating Georgia, but they won by like 14 or so. Yeah, Georgia's, I think, has given up the ghost, too. And they have, A&M does, State and Ole Miss left on their schedule. Hey, that's turned into a big game. Wednesday night has turned into a big game on the road. All right, so basketball, women's basketball has senior day today. Um, just because somebody's being announced doesn't mean they won't be playing next year. Doesn't mean they will either. Because I think you could see Cam Matthews go through senior day for the men. I think you could see Jerkayla Jordan go through senior day today for the women. Two players that could be back next year. So don't, just like football, we had some guys go through senior day last year who were still around. Speaking of football, I saw that. And, of course, not everything's set. But we will have, by one metric, the third least experienced team in the SEC next year in terms of games played. That, um, well, it just feels like, obviously, there's a lot of excitement, but we're going to have to have some patience baked in there. Well, the flip side of that, too, is, is you know, the way we played at times on defense may be good. <laughs> That's <laughs> the whole thing, right? <laughs> Maybe good to the have. The good news term- is everybody's back. <laughs> the bad, the bad news, news is everybody, everybody's back. Everybody's back. So, yeah, next weekend you've got uh, baseball against Evansville and then a big men's basketball game on Saturday against South Carolina. 
And, and hey, if you're coming to campus next week, make sure you stop by Maroon and Company in the Cotton Mill Marketplace before you head to the ballpark or head to the hump. So the Cotton Mill Marketplace right by Chick-fil-A, right on the edge of campus. Go to maroonandco.com. Say Monday or Tuesday, want to go ahead and order it, try to get it in before the weekend. Make sure you use the code NIL10, and they'll take 10% off your purchase. Send another 5% to the Bulldog Initiative, Maroon and Company. I went by there the other day, got a sweatshirt. I told you I was going to do it. Got that uh, interlocking MSU sweatshirt, just like the one I had in 1998 when – Matt Wyatt and Wayne Mackin and all those guys were leading us to the SEC Western Division Championship over in Atlanta. So I got that same exact sweatshirt. Now I got it from our good friends at Maroon and Company. We're also brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing made right here in the state of Mississippi down in Florence at Country Meat Packers. They've got the huge butcher shop down at Country Meat Packers. Perfect place to get all your stuff for your tailgate or in the backyard, our good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Hey, don't forget, uh, Tuesday night, State will be down in Pearl. 6 o'clock, they'll take on Southern Miss down at uh, Trustmark Park if the weather is okay. Right now, the forecast is rain on Tuesday, and so just check everything out. Hopefully, the infield grass, as we alluded to yesterday, will be a little bit better than it was last year. Did you see that Southern Miss game the other night? I think you were tweeting about this, actually. I, I sent a tweet about it because I was watching it, and it was a lot of fog. Southern Miss had an inside-the-park home run because the Indiana State right fielder like threw his hands to the side, and the ball landed about 30 feet behind him. And then, you know, everybody laughed, thought it was great. And then the next half inning, Indiana State was batting, and the Southern Miss right fielder almost took one right between the eyes. Didn't see it. He ended up with a triple, uh, the guy from Indiana State. And so – we had a game. It's been several, several years ago. I don't know if you remember this or not. We were playing a Rio Grande Valley, University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley, wherever that is in South Texas. I don't know if it's in Edinburgh or wherever it is. But we had a game that was fogged out in like the fifth inning. We traveled all the way over there, got down there playing, and then it fogged out. And here's the thing about it. When you're in a Rio Grande Valley, it's not like you're going to make that trek again. And so they just canceled that game. It's been several years ago. That is in Edinburgh, by the way. Is it really? Just pull that one out. I will give you this. You know, I've pointed out some of your deficiencies. I'm going to give you this. You remember places much, much better than I do. Well, yes. You also remember years. So, like, you probably remember the year that game was played. Uh, it was John Cohen. It was a year that we were not very good. I'm thinking 2010, maybe, somewhere in there is where it was. Also, yesterday on the broadcast, there are several things that are going through my head that I have to cut out. And I know you think that I'm just speaking, but you don't understand the stuff that doesn't not make it to my lips. Because I asked you something about Iona yesterday, and you were looking at me like, what? why don't we care about Iona? I was also about to go down the rabbit hole of Lehigh. Because Iona, by the way, is ranked lower in baseball now than the team we just played, Mount St. Mary's. Are they really? One okay. spot. Huh. So, Lehigh plays at Mount St. Mary's next weekend, and that may be one of the best trips I've ever gone on with women's basketball several, several years ago. And it Lehigh. It was, was right before – the week before we went to the Gator Bowl and played Michigan, I was in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and we were playing Lehigh and women's basketball. And the thing I remember about that game, about that trip, because I always look at Wikipedia or, you know, do some do something about the area or whatever – Lehigh's in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. 
in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, was the home of Bethlehem Steel. And do you know what Bethlehem Steel invented? The I-beam. That's the crazy things that I remember. Sorry, Charlie. My mind's weird. So I want to get back to this Edinburgh thing again. Did you, Were y'all at Edinburgh? Yes. Y'all, see, y'all, I mean, that's like, you know, you gotta look try out to your get window there. and see Mexico. Yeah. I mean, it is a border county. Yes. Well, it's uh, not an easy way to get there. No, no. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like South Padre. I think we flew into Harlingen, Harlington or whatever, when we, Harlingen, when we went to South Padre. And that was a men's basketball trip. We were there the day that Dan Mullen's first football game against Ole Miss, 2009. They had a red tide, a bunch of dead fish on the beach, South Padre. That fog game was in 2018. Well, it seems like it was forever ago. That's how much I would try to put it out of my mind. I remember one year we were playing Georgia in baseball. Tommy Raffo had a fog-aided triple. And I was in the outfield, and it was one of the first times you hear the, the phrase sometimes that the fog rolls in. And it was like the, flo- the fog just blew in. I mean, it was – you could just see it coming across the field. <laughs> and it got said – he just hit a fly ball and ends up on third base before anybody ever saw it. I'll tell you one thing. Thinking about visibility, I went out to the outfield for a few minutes between games yesterday. And we talk all the time how at 3 o'clock it's really tough to, def- to field a baseball for some reason. It's tough to catch a fly ball in center field. We saw Air Force. Air Force must play a couple out there. Yep. Well, it was so bad. I was standing in center field. The glare, the sun was right dead over the top of the stadium. It comes off that roof like a mirror. Does it? Be, it was to the point that I didn't have on sunglasses. I had to turn my back. <laughs> I couldn't see it. But it was like a laser beam coming off the top of that thing. And I tried my hardest to take pictures, but my phone kept wanting to auto-filter it. Yep. And on the pictures I took, it was bad, but it, it was like one-tenth of what it really was. And so it also goes back to we never could understand why guys couldn't catch a pop-up on the infield. But that glare is still coming off that roof, and if the ball passes through it, you just can't see it. And it goes back to one of the things Coach Polk used to talk about. See it with one eye. you know, Turn your head a little turn bit. Turn your head, get sideways, and look at it with one eye instead of two. And we've seen Isaac do that. I mean, you, we've seen our guys do that. And that's, that's one of the things you got to watch. At 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a, you know, a, a baseball game, the center fielder is going to have a tough time because of that glare. Well, all things out – all things being equal, we, you and I talk all the time about home plate and the turf and how we'd like to dig it up and put some dirt down. You know, we might need a we might need a matte finish on that thing. <laughs> I got no problem with that. Hey, uh, I guess let's head to the head to the hump. Let's do some women's basketball. Mm. Final game of the season: State and Missouri at two o'clock today. SEC tournament coming up for them. Where's that at, South Carolina? It is. It's a great place to go. Yeah, I've been to Greenville, South Carolina. Yep. They do a great job with it. It's a nice town, nice area. If you are into history, as I am, you can do some short trips from there to the battlefield from Cowpens. Are you familiar with that Revolutionary War battle? I'm not. All right, so if you ever watch The Patriot, I do. the old Mel Gibson movie, The Battle at the End, 
is modeled after the Battle of Cowpens, which was a American slash colonial victory. But at that time, that part of South Carolina was actually North Carolina, correct? I think so. Or it may have that backwards. Because I always thought that a lot of the western and northern portions of South Carolina at one time were North Carolina. Or was it all called Carolina? Like the Gamecocks and the Tar Heel fans will do. They like to lay their claim to just saying Carolina. And James Taylor, too. In my mind, he's going to Carolina. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Carolina, it used to be one Carolina, and then they split in 1712. They split North Carolina and South Carolina in 1712. So, Well, that was... So Greenville wasn't North Carolina. It was just Carolina. Yeah, except by the, by the time the Revolutionary War came along, that was like 60 years after the split. Yeah. So... It's still South Carolina. Uh, is the, what, what, what what's what's going on with you? Hey man, is this the rabbit hole type thing I am to expect? But anyway, I want to finish my. Point. I've gotten worse about rabbit holes. I'm All sorry. Right. There was Calpens, then Guilford Courthouse, and Kings Mountain. Kings Mountain, a battlefield right near there. So if you're into history, you can take them on. And if you would like, you can do like Bart and read more about the split of the Carolinas in the early 1700s, apropos of nothing. Sure. Okay. I am not going to do that anymore today because I'm done with my Carolina history at this exact moment. Well, you're going to have to think back about them again. Maybe on our preview of next week's basketball game, you could get us a little more in-depth. Yeah. Okay. We can definitely do that. All right. Hey, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Once again, thanks to our good friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. Go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. Heartland Catfish. Heartland produced right here in the state of Mississippi over in Itabina. They serve it at great restaurants around the southeast. Shivers Creek Fish House. They do it right down in Simpson County. Crystal Springs. Also, the Express and Star. Our good friends at Howard Technology Solutions. Was that part of Florida? Could have been. Was it part of West Florida? At one time. Okay. What was this at one time? Well, we're not, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, we're not going down that rabbit hole. Howard Technology Solutions. Go to howardcomputers.com. Of course, we're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. Farm Bureau, go with a home team at Farm Bureau. Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing down in Florence, Mississippi. Country Meat Packers. And Maroon and Company, the Cotton Mill Marketplace. Go to maroonandco.com. They'll ship you that great Bulldog merchandise. And when you pay for it, type in the code NIL10, and they'll send 10%. They'll give you a 10% discount and send 5% to the Bulldog Nation. Hey, appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee.